0: Good morning. I'm uh, pleased to share with us this morning. We're sitting. Um, this is our last Sunday in 2020, uh, and we're headed into 2021. And so, as I, as I was preparing uh, this message and thinking about um, what we would talk about today and what the Lord hopefully will encourage us with today, I was thinking about that in mind. Lord, how do we uh, how do we hold and process both? Um, what we've lived through in 2020, as well as how do we look forward and what are some things that you want us to um, consider? What do we want to consider of Jesus today that helps us both process the year but also give us hope and vision and things to hold on to for the coming year? I had this question in mind, what do you have left You've seen, if you've ever uh, seen on the news or you've seen in different scenes, before and after pictures, before and after pictures of weight loss, Um, you know, somebody's this much and they lost 50 pounds, and there's an after view of that. We see that in um, natural disasters. You can see a town before a tornado comes through and then what it looks like afterwards, Uh, before and after pictures of when a tsunami hit, and what happened from that town. So this before and after picture. And I think in some ways, um, when, when, when those things happen, there's, there's this inventory that gets taken when disasters hit. People look at lives lost and homes lost and time that it will take to rebuild, money that it will take to rebuild. There's this sense of inventory, of evaluating what's been lost and what's left. Today, as as we reflect on 2020, I wonder what sort of, like, inventory you would take of your life, your business, your relationships, your finances, your health, your society, culture, different things. What sort of inventory would we take? And I know there's very real inventory of lives that have been lost this year jobs that have been lost, homes that have been lost, marriages that have been lost, relationships, life experiences that have been canceled or postponed, stress, anxiety, depression, loneliness, weariness, disappointment, sacrifice, conflict, heartbreak, all things that when we think about 2020, those might be descriptors. Those might be inventory items. Those might be things for you, for us, for your neighbor, for the people that we live around, for our communities, for the world that we've experienced. We've also experienced other types of things this year, too. We've experienced resilience, compassion, kindness, generosity, adaptability. In the midst of this, babies have been born. Jobs have been saved. We've all started working, a lot of us from home. Time, more time has been spent with children and family. People have been rallying around one another. People have been rallying around small businesses. There's been also a great resilience. And all of these things have been happening at one time. When we take inventory, we look at 2020. Even in, in the lives of people and, you know, at times there's even the sense of like, well, the, the church has been, ha, there's been a loss or a change in the church. I read an interview this week about a, a prominent church in California, uh, a big church, Saddleback. Rick Warren said this in this interview that since March, he believes his church has welcomed more than 16,000 new converts, most of whom were drawn in by members one-on-one evangelizing. The whole article Rick Warren is saying is that the gospel's not shut down. He's talking about the impact that their church is having in their communities in California and the people that are coming to Christ. So this year of 2020, when you look at it, what does your inventory look like? And if you're like me, you probably you identify with all of those things on the list. We discussed earlier in the year that we're all in the same storm. Globally, we've all been in a massive storm this year, but we've been in very different boats. I've spoken to some people who, for 2020, it was actually just a continuation of their personal isolation and suffering. They told me it's like the whole world caught up to them. Others have said their entire lives have been turned upside down. So my question for us is, as we conclude 2020, what do you have left? What's your inventory? What are you holding on to as you go into 2021? What are you leaving behind in 2020? The title for my message today is Rock Farmer Builder Bread. And I want to use these four images, and I believe there are four images, um, and we're going to look at three different passages in the Bible that talk about Jesus. And these are four pictures. Of Jesus that I'm hoping give us some understanding of things that we've experienced and how we process some of 2020 but also give us pictures and things of who Jesus is that we can hold on to, as we go into 2021. Jesus is our rock. He's our farmer. He's our builder. He's our bread. So I want to start with Jesus being our rock. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is preaching one of his most famous sermons ever, the Sermon on the Mount. And at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, it it covers three chapters in Matthew, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. At the end of chapter 7, Jesus says this about his teachings in verse 24. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Notice Jesus says it's when the rain and the floods and the wind come. All things we've experienced in 2020. Rains, winds, storms. What's left over in my life because of these storms? The good news for us today is that Jesus is the rock for all of us. He's not a rock that says I'm gonna take you out of storms and take you out of wind and take you out of floods. He says that I'm gonna be the rock for you in them. I cannot think of anyone who didn't discover, and think about this for yourselves, who didn't discover this year areas of our lives that were built on sand. Areas of our lives where when the storms came, we crumbled. I can't also think about areas of my life where it became more and more clear that it is the rock of Christ that sustains and protects and keeps me. The storm has had two results, some of the storms and the winds of this year. It's reinforced for me the true basis of my confidence in Christ. And it's demolished areas of my life that are not founded in Christ. It's not an either-or, like my entire life is on a rock and my entire life is sand. Jesus is talking about his, his teaching, his words, his life. And the storms of 2020 have revealed sand in my life. How about you? What have the storms of 2020 left to be with? If you have the rock, Christ, then you have what you need going into 2021. Jesus is here to be our rock. The second picture, and these next two go together, is Jesus as a farmer and Jesus as a builder. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul's writing to this church in Corinth, and he's talking about leaders. He's talking about division in leaders. He's talking about God's role, my role, and the role of leaders In the building of lives in the church community and he's clarifying things and he's calling out things that aren't right. And he's saying some of you follow, say you follow Paul and some of you say you follow Apollos and he's like, I'm calling you infantile. That's what he says. I'm calling you infants because you're misunderstanding something. You're misunderstanding that Paul, Apollos, these leaders, that's all they are. They're mere servants. And he says this, he talks about God as the one who brings the growth. And then he turns it one more time and he says, and you be careful how you build. He identifies three areas of responsibility in 1 Corinthians 3. He talks about God's role of growing us. My role, my personal responsibility of how I build. And he talks about the role of leaders in the church. And in this discussion that he's doing in 1 Corinthians 3, he describes our identity, both our individual identities as well as our identities as a church. And he says, and Paul is talking about himself and Apollos, he says, we are co-workers in God's service. And then he says this, you are God's field, God's building. How about that? That's one of your identities, one of my identities, is that we are God's field and we are God's building. And God is farming us, he's gardening us, he's tilling us, he's working the soil of our lives. And God's building us just like a building gets built. So he goes on and and Paul's concerned that people are misunderstanding the role of the leaders and he's misunderstanding um, our individual roles. And I want to emphasize this. He says this, he's emphasizing, as leaders, Paul and Apollos get to plant and water, but God brings the growth. God brings the growth. As buildings, Jesus Christ is the foundation, and both us as individuals and as leaders, we get to build on that building. So there's lots of metaphors happening in here. We're a field, and we're a building, and God is building us, and we're, we're growing But then he says this, he says, he talks about our buildings that will be inspected and tested. And he says, this inspection will bring things into the light, and this fire will burn away areas of our lives that aren't built correctly. So I'll read this in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10. Paul's saying this, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one of you should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that's already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. I want to suggest to us today that 2020 has also been a year of bringing many things into the light. What's been exposed in you that surprised you? What has God revealed to you that doesn't pass the inspection? What areas of my life have failed the quality inspection? What does it mean for us to build with care? What does it mean to build with gold and silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw? I think in 2020, it's also been a year of fire. Paul says that fire will reveal and test the quality of each, of our, each person's work. I don't know about you, but just like the storms coming and identifying areas where I've got sand as my foundation, foundation. there's also been fire that we've experienced this year that's burned up things. And you know what? It's burned up things that don't last. It's identified areas where we might be building on things that are not gold and silver and precious stones. It's wood, hay, and straw. And all of a sudden when fire comes, we realize that we've been building areas of our lives with poor quality materials. We've been holding on to things that don't last. Fire exposes areas of our lives that are founded on poor quality materials. The foundation is Jesus Christ. How do we build on Jesus? What has 2020 revealed about my personal building? What has it revealed? Second question in this, and this is part of the context of what Paul's describing in 1 Corinthians 3, is what has also been revealed about our churches? What's been revealed in the life of churches? Because that's something Paul's addressing as well. In the same article, I thought it was interesting, Rick Warren was saying this about this time of pandemic. He says this, the pandemic has exposed a fundamental weakness in the church. Warren told Relevant Magazine. Most churches only have one purpose, worship. And if you take worship away, you've got nothing, he said. They're in a hurry to get back to worship because that's all they've got. Saddleback Church has other purposes, he said, such as ministry and discipleship. The church has scaled up its food pantry efforts and claims to now have one of Orange County's largest free grocery distribution programs. Our church has also created thousands of new online small groups and small fellowships of three or more people who study the Bible together. I thought it was fascinating. And I loved, listen, that they're a different church and they're in a different place, but I love the questions that they're asking. I love the things that, that water and fire reveal in us about who we're called to be as the church as well and what our role is meant to be. So how have the fires of 2020 changed you? And how have they changed the church? As we consider 2021, I would ask us to consider how we build with care. We have an opportunity to learn from the fires of 2020 and be refined by them and allow the poor quality materials, the non-valuable building materials to fall off. We have an opportunity to major on the majors, building on Christ, The work of fire refines us, it focuses us, it highlights what's important. Jesus is our farmer and our builder, so let's build well in 2021. And I love that this, this building is both us as individuals, how do we build? It's us as leaders, how do we lead the church well in 2021? But God says he's the one who brings growth. Lord, help us. Help us walk as as good stewards of what you've called us to build. So Jesus is our rock. He's our farmer. He's our builder. He's also our bread. There's a long passage in John chapter 6. It's 70 verses long. We're not going to read it all, so don't worry. We're going to hit the high points. But we've talked about the storms and fires of 2020. And they reveal what's lasting in us. As we look to 2021, what do we look for? Are we anticipating more fire, more storms? Are we expecting good changes? Are we hopeful? Are we uncertain? We can trust and hold to our rock and our farmer and our builder. We're going to be able to face what comes next. I want to explore this last facet of Jesus something we can hold on to as we move into 2021, and it's Jesus as our bread. I was thinking about this story of Jesus and him describing himself as the bread of life, the bread that came down from heaven. And and I reflected on the idea of of Jesus being born in Bethlehem, and Bethlehem is uh, translated the house of bread. So Jesus, the bread of life, who's come down for heaven for us is born in the house of bread in Bethlehem. So this last story about Jesus in John 6, it comes from a, a little bit of a different view. We've been talking about loss and refinement from the storms and fires. This story has to do with how Jesus handles success. In times of trouble, we hold on to Jesus at times for survival, don't we? In times of success, though, when things are going well, we can lose track of our relationship with Jesus because it gets crowded out by the success. We can also confuse the purposes of success. That's why I love this passage in John 6. I want to explore what Jesus did, how he responded to his successes. So the chapter opens in verse 1, and it says this, A great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs that he performed on the sick. That's how the chapter starts. The chapter ends in a very different way. The chapter ends in a bunch of people no longer following Jesus. So these are the two bookends of John chapter six. A bunch of people following him because of the miracles and a bunch of people who are saying, man, this is too hard to follow you at the end of the chapter. It's a very different scene between people who want Jesus, who It's a very different scene that happens between who people want Jesus to be and who Jesus really is. And there's a big revelation that happens in this chapter. So he's got this at the beginning of the chapter, a bunch of people following him because he's been healing the sick and the miracles. And so what does he do next? He feeds 5,000 people. They sit down and you know the story, five loaves, two fish, and they pass... Out the bread and oh my goodness it it's so amazing that it says in verse 14 after he feeds them says after the people saw the sign jesus performed they began to say surely this is the prophet who has come into the world jesus knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force withdrew again to a mountain by himself Man, this was like the ultimate popularity. This was the ultimate success. He's healing people. He's feeding people. Man, this is the person who needs to be in charge, isn't it? Like, this is the person who needs to be king. And he knew that's what was in their hearts, and he withdrew again to a mountain by himself. The people wanted to forcefully do this, and he withdrew. He withdrew, and at some point, as the chapter progresses, he catches back up just with his disciples. And he does this, oh by the way, by walking on the water. He's walking on the water and he jumps in the boat with his disciples and they end up in their next town. And the people who ate and the people who wanted, were, were, were so amazed by everything that Jesus did are like, man, the word's getting out and they're all trying to follow him and they, they can't figure out how he got away. Where did he go? And they finally catch up to him in verse 26. And they're like, where did you go? We really like you. You're super cool. We want to hang out with you. And Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval man, Jesus all of a sudden turns the conversation and reveals what's in the heart of of people who are pursuing him, but also what's in the heart of what his calling was and his purpose was. He's after people coming to him to eat of him, to find their complete fulfillment in him. The people wanted to use Jesus to become king and fulfill their wishes. Our fulfillment is not found in Jesus obtaining this political power so that he can coordinate our lives the way we want them to be. Jesus is not a weapon to be used. Jesus goes on, and he goes on for verse after verse, and I want to pick one in verse 35. He says, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. He says it again in verse 51. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I I will give for the life of the world. I believe at times we're looking for this Jesus that we can make our earthly king. And we want him to, to do this miraculous and perform on our behalf. And I feel like this passage is almost prophetic for us. It's saying that he wants to change the hearts of his people to focus on him being our life, him being our bread, him being our drink. And does he wanna perform miracles? Absolutely, he wants to feed people and set people free and heal people. He wants to do all of those things. As John 6, as the story here of Jesus continues, he gets so bold and he he, he just keeps narrowing it, narrowing it, saying, I'm the bread of life. Eat my flesh, drink my blood, come after me. He lays out this high calling of discipleship. And in verse 60, it says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And Jesus turned to the 12 and he says, you do not want to leave too, do you? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you're the Holy One of God. What has 2020 revealed about how we see Jesus? Do we want to grab him and make him king? Do we want to use him for our own purposes? Have we pursued a version of Jesus that he's not interested in? That's what happened in John 6 is there was this pursuit of a version of Jesus, and Jesus is like, I am not that. I'm not come to do that. Our call in 2021 is to consume Jesus as our bread of life. He is our bread. This takes us back, and it reminds me back in Matthew 7, where we started, Jesus being our rock. Just before that rock passage, Jesus says this Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. And he, in John 6, he ties in um, doing the will of his Father as, as like eating, it's like bread. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Strong words. And then Jesus goes on to say, building our lives on his words and on his teachings and on the person of Jesus. Jesus is about us receiving him and knowing him as our bread, our life. We can become enamored with all of these other good things, like the disciples of Jesus' time. Jesus, we want you to do this. We want to place you in this. And Jesus says, No, I want you to eat my blood, eat my flesh, and drink my blood. I want you to depend upon me. I want you to find your life in me. So, as we think about going into 2021, I'm hoping that one of the things that the the rain and the storms and the fire and even the successes help us identify is we get a more clear picture of who Jesus is. Let 2021 be a year in which we intentionally cultivate depth and intimacy with Jesus. Let this be a year of building well, of looking to Jesus as our daily bread, our manna from heaven. As we do this, greater revelation of who Jesus is will emerge. In our times, the person of Jesus has been misused and abused. The name of Jesus is slapped on all sorts of initiatives and positions, and Jesus has been weaponized so much that it's almost like white noise. Who is this Jesus that we're holding out to people, and are we representing him well? As I was thinking about this picture, um, I remembered an old-school movie so um, those of you who are my age or older, you're going to definitely remember it. Uh, but it was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and this whole movie is about the search for the Holy Grail. And you've got Indiana Jones and his dad, and they're pursuing this thing, and they really want to preserve it, and they want to. Uh, and 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 then you've got the Nazis because Nazis always make good bad guys in movies, and you got also the Nazis pursuing, pursuing the Holy Grail. And the, the climactic scene of this movie is where Indiana Jones and the Nazis show up in this cave together, where the Holy Grail is, and there's an, an old knight that's guarding it. You guys have got to remember this, right? You guys remember this story? But for those who didn't see the movie, I'm telling it in a little more detail. There's a knight that's guarding dozens and dozens of chalices that are in this room. And and the knight says, and the knight knows why they're there. They're there for the Holy Grail. And the knight says, you better choose wisely. Choose wisely. If you choose the right cup you're going to have life. If you choose the wrong cup, you're going to have death. Well, Of course, the Nazi gets to go first because he's got the gun, and that's what bad guys do. They get to go first. So he goes, and I wrote it down, and he goes, and he picks up, and, and he's got someone with him, and, and they say, it's this one, and he holds it up, and he goes, it's more beautiful than I imagined. This certainly is the cup of the king of kings. The Nazis search the room for this most elaborate chalice, the one fitting for a king, the most beautiful one they can find. And the guy drinks and he dies. And the knight says, they chose poorly. It's a very profound statement. They chose poorly. And you guys know the next. So, and then Indiana Jones gets to choose and his dad's dying, uh, you know, yards away. And he's got to not only choose this and drink this, but he's got to save his dad's life with it. Lots of good drama. And he starts looking at through the chalices and he goes, it would not be made out of gold. And then he finds it and he goes, that's a carpenter's cup right there. That's a carpenter's cup. And it's a dusted off old cup. And he pulls it out and he drinks it and he chose wisely. And I love the story of this because it it reminds me of how we go looking for Jesus, how we talk about Jesus, how we represent Jesus, how we put Jesus out there. And sometimes in our foolishness, in our ignorance, we we can hold up Jesus that we make in our own images. This is what he's supposed to be like. And you know what? The Nazi leader had not done any time studying the person of Jesus, had not done any research, didn't understand who the person of Jesus was. And Indiana Jones, this great researcher, he knew the history. He knew the past of Jesus. He knew the true identity of Jesus. So it was easy for him to identify the cup. How much time are we spending eating of the bread of life that we can say, this is what Jesus looks like. We can can get rid of the noise. We can get rid of these these false representations. Jesus even says in Matthew 7, false prophets are going to come all the time in my name and and talk about this. And he's going to say, look at their fruit. The only way we're going to be able to identify false prophets and false activity is by handling the real thing. Eating of Jesus, studying of Jesus, digging into the words of Jesus. There's an article and there's a whole book written. I was thinking, again, old school phrase. This is so old I didn't watch the show. But it was, uh, will the real person please stand up? So I was thinking about this idea, will, will the real Jesus please stand up? So when you go Google it, there's a bunch of books out there and stuff like that. I was like, okay, I'm clearly not the only person who thought about will the real Jesus please stand up. But I came across this article by Michael Horton. Michael Horton, not my buddy Micah Horton, uh, who I grew up with. And he, he identifies four Jesuses, that four popular distortions of Jesus. And he calls them the heirloom Jesus. The Jesus that's handed down in name and family tradition. The political Jesus, the one that's more concerned about a party than a body. Insurance agent Jesus, he's about safety. Like a good neighbor, Jesus is there. But we only want him when we have serious injury, illness, or trauma. We only worship in seasons of trial. Therapist Jesus, that's his fourth. It's true that Jesus wants to be and never forsake us. He wants to be there. But if we follow therapist Jesus, we can misprioritize the comforting things and forget first that he came to remove sin and give us a holy life to live, not just a happy one. How do we rediscover Jesus in 2021? I would suggest it's by handling the real thing eating daily bread, digging in and studying the words and life of Jesus, asking for the real Jesus to stand up in our lives. Ephesians 3, Paul is praying this to people who are followers of Jesus. He says this again, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is what Paul's praying, that we can grasp this real Jesus. These journals, um, we've we've given out a bunch of bags, uh, so hopefully everybody at home uh, in, in our online uh, community and everybody here on person, if you didn't get a journal, please take them. They're just it's just blank paper but i was thinking about these journals and i want to encourage you to use them in 2021 make them journals about the revelation of jesus in your life and in the lives of others fill them with the words and life of jesus our calling our calling as followers of jesus it is is to grasp the depths and the heights and the breadths of the love of christ it's not a one-time prayer we're not after an heirloom political, insurance, agent, therapist, Jesus. This is a Jesus who we're yoked with, we're partnered with, someone closer than a brother or sister. We started Matthew 7, the end of the Sermon on the Mount. In these words, Jesus is talking about the wise and foolish builders are those who build their houses on the words of Christ. I pray for us in 2021 that we will be wise builders. Our houses will remain, and we might have more storms. I don't know what 2021 is going to bring. And as we build, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, let's build with the things that last. Let's major on the majors, the gold, the silver, the precious stones. Let's be wise builders. And as Jesus says in John 6, let's eat of the bread of life. Let's make that our priority. Jesus, like Peter said, Lord, Whom else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. In 2020, we've had storms and light and fire. We've had this big revealing to ourselves, a revealing to society. So in 2021, I I want to suggest, I want to recommend, I want us to press into Jesus, our rock, our farmer, our builder, our bread and for us to to press into intimacy in knowing that Jesus. Let us hold out a picture of Jesus that truly reflects who he is to the world. I want to close today, and I want to recommend to you, Jesus. And I want to recommend that part of what's happened to us in 2020 and part of what's going to take us forward into 2021 is there's going to be a much greater revelation of the identity of Jesus in the world. That's my prayer. It's Jesus says, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all people unto me. And I want to pray for us as individuals that Jesus will be lifted up in every way in our lives. Every way. And in our community as a church, that Jesus will be lifted up. That sandy things will be washed away and unvaluable things will be burnt away. And that we will be a place of the bread of life. We will be people of the bread of life of Jesus. If you don't know Jesus today, if you don't know this Jesus that loves you so much, that came and he said, I don't want to be made political king. I don't want, I want to come and I want every person to eat my flesh and drink my blood. I want every person to come into their relationship with me. That's what Jesus is after. That's available to you today. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. Jesus wants to give you life. And he wants to give you a vision and a picture and an understanding of who he really is for you. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to pray for us this morning. Would you just stand? And as I pray, I just would ask you to, I'd ask you to have the Lord reveal all these different areas that he's, he's washed away and the sand that he's removed and the, the unvaluable the things that he's removed and that we would have a passion and a heart after Jesus, a passion and a heart that says, where else can we go? Who else has the words of eternal life? So we come to you this morning, Jesus, and we thank you. We thank you. And we take inventory. We take inventory of our lives and we take inventory over this year. And we say we have enough. We have more than enough because we have you. And we look forward to 2021 because you are our rock. We look forward to 2021 because you're farming our lives and you're building our lives and you're our bread of life. You're the one that we hold on to, Lord. So we we embrace 2021. And God, I ask for each one of us that 2021 would be a year of intimacy with you. It would be a year of handling the bread of life, the real thing, the authentic thing. And Lord, as we walk with you, your glory gets revealed. As we're with you, we bear much fruit. As we walk with you, as you are lifted up, you draw all people unto you. So I pray, Lord, that we would be a church and we would be a people who really know you. In Jesus' name, amen.